Well, it's uh, great to be with, with you this morning. I don't get to do this often because of my site responsibilities at Durant, but it's always great to be able to come down. I got to see Mark up at Durant a couple weeks ago. He's a calming influence. I just got to share a story. I, we're sharing the mic today. And I took the mic after I was done, after the first message, and I'm floating down in the family building. I'm talking to everybody. And I'm coming back, and Mark says, oh, there you are. And he takes the mic. Little did I know, he had to run up here and do what's up. I would have been, where's Mark? He's a great site pastor. He's a wonderful guy. I love to be around him. And, um, but I just had to share that with you. Um, it is great to be here. Even though we're not here, the staff... Here's all the wonderful stories coming out of this place. Um, Eddie, uh, Mark, and Tanya take the stories back into staff meeting and share about what's happening here just from more people coming in to the baptisms that you experienced last week to the people connecting in service. It is a wonderful thing. And so I'm just uh, so excited to come and say you're doing an awesome job and uh, just look forward to the continued uh, growth and success here. Uh, I'm going to continue in part two of uh, Untangled. We chose this time because uh, most of you know this is a time where an easy one where we get tangled up is busyness, right? But there's so many other areas that we can get tangled up in. But we chose this time because busyness is one of those, and we'll get to talk about the others as well. But as I was sitting uh, last week at Durant, I realized some of us may not even know that we're tangled up, right? So... You know the question that says, you know you're a redneck if? I've got a couple questions here that uh, you might be tangled up if a Facebook post is the way you tell your spouse that you love them. Come on, come on, that's a good one. Uh, you might be tangled up if quality time with the kids is a van ride to practice. You might be tangled up if the last family meal was Thanksgiving. <laughs> Here's a, another one, a couple other things. You might be tangled up if more critical comments are coming out of your mouth than affirming ones. You might be tangled up if you've gotten mad at an inanimate object lately. So we're in this series called Untangled because three verses here speak to uh, being tangled up. And so we're going to continue in verses 2 and 3 today in Hebrews. So if you don't have a Bible, I'll just call the ushers down. They've got Bibles. If you don't have one, take this. It is yours. It's a gift from the church to you. I know some of you are paying for books right now, either middle school, high school, or college. I'm giving this one free. Take it. Um, if you forgot yours, they will. Uh, you can just drop it off in the back. We're going to be page, I think, 835 in the uh, Bibles we just handed out for others. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. A little bit of context as we dive in here. Hebrews, New Testament book. It's actually a letter. Now, you can't tell that from the beginning like the other letters, but when you look at the end of it, that's a letter. What's not clear, who wrote the letter is not clear. You cannot tell that from the beginning. Some scholars say, well, it's Paul that wrote the letter. Others say Barnabas. There's other views there. But what's clear is the content is still relevant. It is important. It has authority. So we are going to look at that today. The recipients were Jewish believers, and they were in danger of drifting. There was some suffering that was going on, and they were starting to doubt. And, and the Hebrews writer is saying, hold on to your faith. 
He's trying to encourage them. So I want to start by reading verse 1, which you all read last week. I'll read it to you this morning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Last week, the takeaway was in life, it's required that we get rid of some stuff in order to be spiritually healthy. And furthermore, our spiritual health affects our emotional and our physical health. So we want to get healthy spiritually. And we learn there are some things, whether it's sin or things that are hindering us that aren't sin, those things are to be removed. And I loved how the writer said, like in this first verse, he puts we. In verse 2, when we look at it today, it's going to be us. Be, almost as saying, I'm one of you. I can get tangled up just like you. And as I prepared, I was, I've been running around for the past. So, like busyness, I get. I mean, from being, wanting to be the best father, the best husband, the best employee, to be a good pastor, to be building a, a facility on Durant Road, to shepherding people in a hospital, to going and trying to start all these life groups. Busyness I get. And with that, a lot of times, there's stuff that other people don't see, right? Because it's hidden in the heart. There's all of that going on that can get tangled up. And I'm saying, I'm one of you as we do this message. And I just appreciated how the writer said, us and we, as he wrote this. It's very easy to make the decision, I'm going to live lighter. I'm going to get rid of this stuff. Some of you may have done that. But a lot of times, right, we end up right back in the same spot, right where we were. And we scratch our heads. How do we get there? It's almost like a fad diet, right? It's guaranteed you will lose the weight quickly. I've done it. But you will also experience it coming back on as well. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling them, you want to spiritually get rid of this stuff? I'm going to tell you how and keep it off. Let's look at verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So if last week in verse 1 it was all about running lean, right, throwing those things off, Today, the writer's saying, what's also required for running this race of life is that you stay focused. Now, I can talk about some people because they're not here today, like Eddie. I told them I was going to do this. If you could get Eddie, Joel, who I think was here last week, and Donnie, and put them in a room. If you don't know them, you'll get to know them over the year. Put them in a room, and you will see a prime example of people who struggle to stay focused. I have that opportunity every week to be in creative team with them. Um, but I told them I was going to do that this week. They are incredibly creative and talented, and we get stuff done. But it is hard for everybody in some way to be focused. But it's so vitally important to be focused because when we're focused, right, what happens? We get things done. We accomplish things. We start to win. Think of the person perhaps in your field that's distinguished or since we're in sports analogies, think of the athlete who has done well. 
If you went to them and talked to them, how did that happen? They wouldn't say, I did nothing. It's so easy. I don't know how, you know, I tried so little. That's the key. Try so little. No, they would never do that. They live it. It's, it's just who they are. I have a cousin, Cousin Jack. He's an incredible trumpet player. Played with big name bands and all. He improvises like, like there's this conversation going on. But he, he works in an ice cream truck. Between handing out ice cream in the summer, what is he doing? He's playing major scales, minor scales, chromatic scale. He is just living it. He is incredibly focused. And that's what we're talking about here. Here's an important statement that you want to write down. My focus determines my direction. My focus determines my direction. Many times our life, it starts to take a course because of what we invest in, what we focus on. All of a sudden, the current, the flow of our life goes a certain way. I sit with people in my office, Donnie and other pastors, and they say, I want to know what God has for me here. I, I just want to know that. And our advice is the same thing. How are you doing with fixing your eyes on Christ? Have you been in his word? Are you trying to see what he thinks about that? And we, as we dig there, we see that far from that. They haven't been doing those things, focusing on him. And the writer here says, fix your eyes on Christ. That means, the original word means to literally uh, look away, to literally look away from all, everything, look away from all else, and to fix your gaze upon one thing. I found out my dog has some serious focus. She gets out every so often. It's a golden retriever. If you have them, they love food. They will do anything for food. They'll weigh consequences depending on what kind of food is out. But our dog got out. She has a way of finding a neighbor's uh, food. She ended up going to one house, went back, and there's a little girl. Picture it. Little girl eating her pancakes on a Saturday morning. And here comes Sandy, and she hammers the pancakes. Girl was fine. I could almost picture Sandy sitting there with her tail wagging after she ate them, just wanting a pet. But every time she gets out now, the first place she goes, I'm going to go check to see if there's pancakes. You can hold up a steak. You can hold up bones. You can say, I'm going to pitch anything. But everything else, zero distractions, and she is focused. That's cast away everything else, zero distractions. Fix your eyes on Christ. That's what we're talking about here. The metaphor that the writer used with this sports analogy the reader would have totally gotten it. The picture would have been very, very clear because he's using a race analogy, the Olympics at that time. Running was very popular. So they got this picture. And so you, you need to get the picture. The races, the Olympics happened in a stadium. One end had a straight end where uh, there was an entrance where people came in. They walked through there. And then it was like an oblong, rounded at the end, no entrance, it's just sealed off. And on left and right were tiers of seats where the witnesses sat, right? Ringing a bell of the first verse. They all sat there, and the starting block was down at the entrance side, and there was a square pillar right there. And those competitors stood right there. They had zero body fat, 
They threw off all the flesh that would have got extra flesh that would have gotten in the way. They got so light, they threw off their clothes. The races were done naked. Yeah, you can, naked. There was nothing. Throw off everything that hinders, you see. They would have gotten this. They sat there, those competitors, they didn't look just here at that square pillar for the starting line. They didn't look at the square pillar in the middle. They looked at the square pillar at the end. Why? Because there was a judge at the end who was holding the prize. And they just focused right on him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The reader got it. We need to get and understand this kind of focus. If you're like me, okay, I got it. I get the focusing. How does that translate to my life? How do I focus on Christ? Big one you're already doing. You're coming to church because we better be talking about Christ in here and how we connect our lives and live out our faith. Mark talked about getting in a group. If you haven't gotten in a group, findmygroup.com. Grab a list later. Why? Because you're going to get around God's word. You're going to get life on life, and you're going to wrestle with this stuff. When you're at home, simple stuff you can do at home. Fix your eyes on Christ. Find out everything you can find out about Jesus. The Gospels is a wonderful way to do that. Because it's filled with stories of Jesus just living out his life. I suggest picking Mark. It's the shortest book. Read Mark. And just find out everything you can. And then talk to God right? Pray. Talk to him. Those are ways that we can intently stare at Christ in our lives. We got to be like that runner, right? Imagine if he didn't stare at the finish line. He would never win a race. Life is like that. Life requires us to be focused on Christ as an individual and as a church. We do that here as a church, right? Helping people connect with God. It determines what we do and what we don't do. It's so important. Now, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 9, written by Paul. Another race analogy. That's why some scholars go, ah, I, I think he wrote Hebrews. Here's what he says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last. You see, that prize, Jesus, can make us win. But notice it says strict training. That takes self-discipline. That takes self-sacrifice. If you want to live an untangled life, if you want to be able to focus in life, it requires self-discipline and self-sacrifice. Because nothing of value comes without sacrifice. Nothing of value comes without sacrifice. The, the writer says, Look at Jesus. You want an example? Look at Christ. He says he's the author of your faith. Literally means he is the one leading. He's your leader, your pioneer of your faith. You think you can't do it? You can't alone. Correct. But with Christ, you can. 
because he's the author. He's also the perfecter of your faith. He ran faith to fulfillment from start to finish. Look at Christ. So many times we can get tangled up for different reasons, and maybe some of you are in that spot, and it's unpleasant right now for whatever's going on. It was for the readers here. It was for Jesus, too, and then some. Think about what he went through. I mean, he was deceived. He was, uh, they put him on death row. People turned their back on him. He knew what was ahead of him. He knew uh, what was going to happen. We know the story. We know the end of the story. But he kept, he never lost sight that stuff of value takes a sacrifice. It said, for the joy set before him, right? He knew the joy wasn't the cross. The, the, the part after says he, he endured the cross because the joy was on the other side of the cross. It's the same for us. The joy was being back with Father in the heavenlies, but also the joy is salvation, knowing that that would be a possibility because of what he was going to do, and he saw through the cross to that. So what's true for him is true for us. We have to lay down those things. What we want, we got to lay down to experience what we really need. We need to lay down our desires of perhaps accomplishing and getting. We need to lay down uh, having a free uh, life, free of pain and suffering, to, in order to experience life and have the strength to be able to get through life. Because stuff will happen. And the, the writer's saying, it's going to happen, but don't, if you're drifting, don't hold on. It, hold on. Don't drift. Hold on to your faith. It's a decision we all have got to face. They were there drifting and having to make a decision, and he's helping them see it and to decide and to encourage them not to drift. John Maxwell, and I think it's his book, um, Success One Day at a Time, has a great quote. It's not a spiritual quote, but I think it applies to what we're talking about here about seeing it. Let me read that to you. Life is filled with critical moments when you will have the opportunity to trade one thing you value for another. Keep your eyes open for such moments and trade up, not down. Again, the readers were at that point, And the writer was trying to say, see it. You have a decision before you. Do you see it? And he's encouraging them to choose one way. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That word consider, it's kind of like a mathematical a calculation term. He's saying, uh, look at your options. Calculate your options. Look at all of them. But, he says, look at Christ. For some, maybe you haven't included Christ in your options. And the writer would say, how is that going? How is that going for you? Because when you look at Christ, you will see perfection. You will see grace. You will see mercy. You will be, see strength. And he's encouraging them to embrace Christ, the author, the perfecter, the one who can lead you and give you meaning and direction in your life. But it's easy at points like this, as we're considering, to say, you know what? It's just a little bad habit. 
it's just a busy schedule for right now. It's just, I have a bad attitude because of this. It's going to go away. But all of a sudden, we start sacrificing busyness for quality time. We start sacrificing popularity for our morality. And it does actually matter. There's an interesting fact about flying. It goes like this. If you start off one degree off as you're flying, then you will uh, end up 92 feet from your target if you fly, I think it's uh, for every mile that you've flown. So one degree off, 92 feet from your target for every mile that you've flown. So for about uh, one mile for every 60 miles. You start at the equator, one off, and go around the world, you're going to end up 500 miles off from your target. Is it a big deal? Well, let's start your flight at JFK. And let's go out to LA, and you start out one degree off. Is it a big deal? Well, it could mean that you make that important meeting, or it could mean that you are using your seat as a flotation device out in the Pacific Ocean because you're 40 miles off target. You see, our life in these throes of being tangled, what ends up happening is we can drift, and we drift slowly, and all of a sudden we get off, and this drift that's not what God meant. It affects our life. We feel it. And so we need a way. We need a warning sign. My prayer always, Lord, help me to see it long before I feel the effects of something. And so as we close here, I just want to give you a simple way that perhaps you can turn on or, or see the warning light on the dashboard to see if perhaps you're tangled up. There's a great verse that I want to read. And talk about the exercise that you can do with it. Galatians 5.22. Some of you uh, probably know this one already. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In this passage, you're talking about living life where you're the king. You're, you're, there, you know, you're far from God. And then this verse is talking about if you want to live life in the Spirit, letting God's Spirit lead you then as Christ followers, because we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, right, these qualities are not qualities of you. They're, they're fruit of God's Spirit. These things ought to be evident in your life. And if they're not, it's a warning sign. So an exercise that you can do is just simply write the fruit of the Spirit down one side of a piece of paper. Then go through and rate for you. Put a one through five, with five being... The, the highest. You rate all of those. See, God wants you to be a five. Not, it's not about perfection, but he wants you to experience the fruit of his spirit. And when you're, when you're not, those are times when those numbers are lower, then you're probably on the verge of being tangled up. So rate yourself. And then go back and look for the low ones, but just pick one. Don't try to fix everything at once. Just pick one of your lowest ones. Pray, you know, which one of these, Lord, is having the most impact on my life? Pick that one and then start to ask questions. Lord, what do I need to throw off? What's hindering me? Is there a sin? Is there something that's not a sin but it's just weighing on? What do I need to do there? Sometimes, and a lot of times, you have to do that around other people 
That's why life groups are so valuable. Because you can have others say, you know, you shared this. I was thinking, maybe it's because of this. Ooh. And, and all of a sudden, God starts to use other people to help you get answers to those questions. And as you go through that, then you say, okay, what's one thing that I'm going to do to allow God to make that a five in my life? It's our desire that you constantly look to say, am I tangled up? Am I drifting? Because if I am, the, the writer of Hebrews says, see it, see, constantly be in check. And please hold on to the faith. Are you going to do that? Jesus was with his disciples and lots of others were around at the time and he had a, a hard teaching that he was teaching on commitment. And after that, several people turned their back on Christ and went. And Jesus turned to the disciples and he said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter says these words, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And it's our prayer that you just embrace Christ and fix your eyes squarely on him. And as we close this morning, I want to read the verse, verse 2. And we do this together. I enjoyed doing it together last week at Durant. Let's close uh, with verse 2, if we'll all read it. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you, you created us. You know what it takes for us to operate on all cylinders, and it takes your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray for those in here that don't have a relationship with you, that maybe today was a spark to, to go and say, I need you, and to start to begin to have those conversations, perhaps with a pastor or a friend, and for others that they would just say, you know what, my eyes have been in one place, and now I know I'm to bring them right back on you. Lord, use family, friends, and all of us here to help us keep our eyes solely on you. We love you, and we know when we align our eyes with you, we will more perfectly be able to carry out your will for what you need done. We are here. We love you, and it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.